Good morning, crypto. Dr. P, because Ripple's the chosen one to lead the new global digital payment system, and they use XRP. In 2013, the Federal Reserve began looking for faster payments options. Two years later, an action plan was born and a federal payments task force was created. It included one company focused on crypto, Ripple. In 2014, the World Bank and Better Than Cash Alliance, which includes the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Clinton Global Initiative, and the governments of 32 countries put out a report called the Opportunities of Digitizing Payments. One year later, the Better Than Cash Alliance featured one crypto company on their website, Ripple. Today, Better Than Cash Alliance and all other UN initiatives are focused on a single agenda, the Sustainable Development Goals for 2030. You can see the SDGs logo on Bill Gates' lapel, world-leading companies, the Better Than Cash Alliance website, and on the UN's official exchange, Exchange. What crypto is Exchange officially utilizing for their carbon credit solution? XRP. The world will move to a new international standard for exchanging electronic messages between financial institutions by 2025 called ISO 2022. Who was the first ISO 2022 member focused on distributed ledger technology? Ripple, who's partnered with over 300 financial institutions, including Bank of America, American Express, PNC, Santander, SBI, HSBC, Standard Chartered Bank, Bank of England, India, Singapore, Scotland, Australia, and Indonesia, the largest banks in Japan, Canada, Egypt, the Middle East, United Arab Emirates, Thailand, Morocco, Bhutan, South Korea, Brazil, and Latin America? Ripple, who is a former employee overseeing the Federal Reserve? Ripple, a former employee overseeing the world's largest asset manager, BlackRock's Digital Asset Division? Ripple, leading Australia's CBDC effort. Ripple, who hired a former Treasury of the United States. Ripple, two former Federal Reserve attorneys to their board. Ripple, two former Clinton and Obama advisors, former Minister of Defense and Economics of Germany, former Business Director at SWIFT, former SWIFT board member, former CFO of PayPal, former head of the DTCC, former Chief Business Officer at Uber, former VP of Amazon, and former SEC chair on their legal team. Ripple, who's a member of the Digital Pound Foundation, Digital Dollar Project, Digital Euro Association, Mojaloop, IMF's high-level advisory board on fintech, Hyperledger Blockchain Consortium, Open Payments Coalition, Faster Payments Council, Global Payment Steering Group, Cross-Border Working Group, International Association for Trusted Blockchain Applications, Crypto Climate Accord, University Blockchain Initiative, World Wide Web Consortium, and a featured partner of the World Economic Forum with three members of their team directly listed on the WF website, Ripple. Now, does Ripple and XRP sound like they're going to disappear, or do they sound like they're part of a much bigger plan? You decide. Good morning, Warriors. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. And today we have a very special guest as Digital Perspectives is in the building. And Brad, everybody's talking about Bitcoin. Bitcoin obviously pumped over $61,000 this morning, and we are going to be addressing why that's happening. But let's talk XRP to start the show. And I had to bring the hopium. Where's your mindset at? You know, a lot of people have been optimistic. A lot of people have been pessimistic. I found myself on the optimistic side. When we compare what we're seeing with XRP to prior cycles, this is right on course for where we should be. I think we're going to see a typical breakout. We're going to test that dollar twenty range, and then it really is the road to all-time high. But first of all, how are you feeling, my friend? And thank you for making time for us this morning. Well, look, it's always a pleasure to be on the show with you guys. And shout out to Coach and all of the team there. Uh, you guys are fantastic as always. And listen, let me tell you something. You start a video, a show with a video like this from NFA, man. <laughs> the whole time, like, I don't even know if you had it so they could see me, but I'm like pumping. I'm listening to all the facts he's dropping. Still to this day, all this time later, I guess it was a year ago or more he made that video, but man, it is so impactful the way he put that together. I still get excited and jacked up over it because we are in a great place. And I know a lot of people are like, what, what the world are you talking about? You know, but you know, 
I don't look at price, right? I look at fundamentals. And that video is loaded with fundamental news of what the accomplishments of Ripple are. And it even goes beyond that, if you can imagine. So I'm super excited, Abs. I agree with you, Brad. And before we get into the content for today's show, I wanted to point out something positive when it comes to Ripple and XRP in particular. We're comparing it to the Ethereum price chart. And we talk a lot about Ethereum, ETHgate, all the narratives going on. But this project has managed to get to $400 billion in total market cap. Why is that important for us? XRP is only $32 billion. This token could do a 10x and still be 25% less than where Ethereum is today. To me, that screams opportunity. To others, that screams negativity. What's your perspective when it comes to the XRP price chart? Is this a typical game where XRP not only moves last, but it actually has the highest returns when you look at the market cap in particular? Well, you know, to speak to history, because I don't know the answer, right? But uh, of where we're going, I, I, I know what I believe. I can't confirm anything, right? But um, what I'll say is, is to your point, Abs, history's past in the charts of XRP's life have shown us that when it moves, it moves very rapidly and it moves in extreme measure when it does move. Now, I think one of the things we have to think about also is, and this is a super positive point, is the fact that not only do we have the history of XRP and what it looks to be setting up for right now, but we also have the idea and understanding that as we move closer and closer to getting really true finality and legal clarity for this space and the case itself to Ripple and XRP specifically, think about the level of utility and demand for the anticipated utility that will be making its way into this space. And this is the moment that I've been waiting for here as a macro investor. So for me, I agree. XRP, when it moves, it's very explosive and it's massive when it does that. Um, I'm here for it. And I'm really here for once we get beyond this vagueness of clarity in the United States and there is a global cooperation about understanding how to deal with regulatory clarity for crypto assets broadly. That's to me, that's the moment because None of this for XRP, people get frustrated. We talked about this offline, the three of us, for, for a brief moment. People get frustrated because price doesn't move and what have you. But for me, as I understand it, as a fundamental macro long-term investor, in order to really see the level of utility and price driving happen for XRP, there needs to be stable coins legislation and there needs to be CBDCs. And then with the onset of those things, I think you see very simply the tokenization of traditional market products. Those are the things that I think are just before us now. And when those things take place, there's your price driver to the market. And none of us will have to really worry about what's happening with price because it'd be in a good place every day you look at it. That's the way I'll see it. I love that, Brad. And we got 513 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Johnny Crypto, let's play into the XRP discussion when it comes to the BlackRock article we're reporting on this morning. BlackRock held a private meeting for some of their high-grade traditional investors, and they advised them a 28% Bitcoin portfolio allocation in 2024. Now, why is that important to us? We played it for our listeners a dozen times on this channel. Larry Fink and Brad Garlinghouse have both addressed the idea of an XRP ETF being launched with a collaboration between these two companies, imagine what will happen when BlackRock approaches their you know, high-grade traditional investors and says, we need 10% allocation into altcoins as well. 
30 billion in market cap compared to over a trillion when it comes to Bitcoin. The opportunity for XRP, XLM, Algorand. We're going to go through a lot of these tokens today, but what do you take away from it, Johnny? Well, did we not tell you that BlackRock was going to launch this thing and then they're going to pump this whole bitch up and pump like they never pumped before? And that's what was happening. They got in it. They bought all this shit cheap while everybody else was fearful. They were buying Bitcoin at 15000 They were buying Mara Ride at $8, buying all the miners, right? Then they get the BTC application done. Then they get it approved. And lo and behold, they're telling people to allocate 28%. 28, that's massive. We're not talking big. That's not huge. That's massive, 28%. You never tell your clients to go 28, one quarter of your portfolio into that. But you certainly do when you're buying Bitcoin at the bottom. Larry Fink. He knows his deal. Pump it up. Man. He gonna pump. He pump, 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 and he's pumping away. What's up, Brad? How you doing, brother? Good morning. Well, well I want to raise my hand because you make such a good point. You know, now advising twenty eight percent allocation. Uh, well, if anything, I think you know. Listen, and what have we seen? Billions and billions and billions of shares being sold at the same time in the general stock market, ladies and gentlemen. And let me tell you, let's mix those two understandings. So Jeff Bezos and JP Morgan and everybody else out here is selling off massive positions of their stock shares. Yes. And I just saw somebody else this morning. I can't remember who it was. And now BlackRock's telling their clients 28% allocation instead of 2 to 5%. Exactly. This is the biggest signal you're ever going to need to know and understand that there's a huge collapse and correction coming in the traditional markets. And this flight to quality, as they call it at BlackRock, is absolutely a hedge for their clients as the rest of their market is going to get decimated if they don't find some high ground to stand on. Yeah, Brad, here's some optimism for the market as well. And Johnny, I know you had comments, so I'll kick it straight to you, actually. I could not agree with you more. You have to read the tea leaves. When yeah. you see Zuck selling shares, when you see Bezos selling shares, don't believe the bullshit stories, the taxes, that they know we're at the top. They know something's coming. They know the crash is coming. So where do you put your money? You're going to put it in silver, gold, real estate. And now the new flight to safety, thanks to you, Larry. I love you, baby. Bitcoin, which really... The, way, the reason why I get excited about this, none of us are Bitcoin maxes here, right? In fact, I don't have any enough Bitcoin to even be excited. But the reality is I know that Bitcoin is synonymous with crypto. And so that whole thing, including altcoins, as you were starting to say, Abs, step one is Bitcoin. Get the world familiar with it. Step two, well, well the world, you know, we'll get some stable coins out there but or regulation for that. But then you'll see altcoin, altcoin baskets will be coming and then what are they going to do? They're going to pull the pump back out. They're going to pump that some bitch up too. And that's what we're really going to ride high because we're all coin maxis here. So we're just sitting. We're on the boat. The high tide is coming in. And like I say, high tide, Brad, it raises all the boats. And boy, I I'm looking forward to that day. And oh. think about this too, Brad. When we look at the Bitcoin price chart, there's almost no trading volume above where we are right now. What does that tell me? price discovery. We're going into these trading ranges we've never seen before. And we talk about the Fibonacci's very often on our channel. Every single cycle for with Ethereum, for example, it does at least a three and a half X. We're estimating that by the time of the halving, whatever the price is on that date, Bitcoin will do a two and a half X of that price. If it is $50,000, this is the analogy we've been using. We're going to start have to use a, a bigger number here. If it's $100,000, it should be $250,000 by the peak of the cycle. That's very, very exciting, especially when you consider where we are today. That liquidity drives the altcoins. Bitcoin brings money into the market. 
Now we're going to see big companies like BlackRock, Fidelity, Citibank, not only buy these assets, but hold them on their balance sheets for years. Same thing is going to happen to altcoins with a much smaller market cap. So I just wanted to get your perspective on Bitcoin before we talk about our articles for today. When we're looking at trading ranges, there's nothing above where we are right now. People call it a $69,000 all-time high. The reality is we traded there for about a day. And you can see the confetti falling. I don't know why. <laughs> but the reality is there's no trading volume up there. If we break $65,000, I think it's going to be a quick road to about seventy dollars to $80,000 before we see any sort of trading volume come in and suppress us. We do not own Bitcoin at a maximalist scale. Like Johnny said, I'm an XRP guy. I've got some altcoins like Quant, VeChain, HBAR, a lot of different projects. When it comes to Bitcoin, I'm not jumping up and down about this. I just know what it means for the altcoin market over the next six to nine months. And there's a lot more I can say about it, but I'm going to kick it straight to you. Where do you think we are relative to where we're like, where are we, where are we in this cycle for altcoins relative to Bitcoin? Bitcoin's about to break all time high. What does that mean to you for altcoins as well? Well, I, you know, it's a great question and, and I'm not a technical guy, but what I can say from the technical analysts that I've watched and cover on my channel, um, they're all saying, you know, that they're seeing that, 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 uh, mirroring of what we see in history's past. And Bitcoin usually moves and then altcoins wave after. And XRP is usually the little engine that could at the end of it all right there. Like you said, Abs, you're absolutely right. And if history repeats, we're going to see that same kind of flow and cycle take place. I, I, I mean, I don't see anything changing the flow of that um, other than the fact if we get some unknown fundamental news like stablecoin legislation going through, there's been talk about that being attached to a larger bill and put in a package. Um, I, I think those things are, are, are things to look out for, but we can only go off of what we know today. And what we know today, history's telling us that we see the same time tested path that you're going to see Bitcoin move as it's doing now. And then the altcoins and XRP, and hopefully it's the explosive move we're all looking for, followed by stablecoin legislation, which could probably continue that, that trend, I would think. I agree with you, Brad. And I want to compare it to prior cycles as well before we move on. Kevin Cage put out a great tweet, and he said, this is what happened when Bitcoin broke all-time high in 2021. From December 14th, Cardano did a 24, uh, 24X. Stellar did a 7X. We had um, XRP do an 11X in the price charts, going from $0.17 cents to $1.90 in the midst of an XCC lawsuit. Now, everybody focuses on the fact that we didn't break an all-time high. But what does that tell me? Johnny, this lawsuit came in when XRP was $0.70, cents, and it pulled us down to the $0.17 cent mark. If we had done the exact same gains, if we took this and pasted it here, we would have broken all-time high. And I think that would have been very interesting for not only the XRP price chart, but for the XRP community in general, it would have changed completely not only our bear market, but where we were today. We're still feeling the impact of the SEC lawsuit. What's your thoughts, Johnny? Before I kick it back to Brad, I'd like to hear your analysis. XRP typically breaks out after Bitcoin reaches its all-time high. So for right now, this is you know typical for the price chart, I would say. Well, you know my saying about if, but unfortunately I can't say it on the air. So I'll save that for off the air. But the reality is, Abs, I don't disagree with you. Um, the monkey I've been saying for a while, it was the monkey on their back that held them back, unfortunately. So if it didn't hold them back, it's unfortunate that we didn't get to see where we would have gone. Would we have tested all times highs, which would have been about a five X or would we have busted through that and maybe done a 10 X like the rest of the market did that would have put us around seven bucks and everybody would be extremely excited and happy and probably a lot more wealthier. But the reality is, unfortunately, the sad story is we don't know. But you're right. We did still, it still did perform 
on a 10x level like the rest of the market did. Just everybody forgets it got slapped and beat up because of that lawsuit. And you have to factor those things in. So now the good news is, here's the double-edged sword with the current bull run. The good news is the monkey, that son of a bitch, is off its back now. That thing's <laughs> out the door. All right? It means still dangling there a little bit, but we know the case is coming to an end. The main ruling that they got, they got. There's just some poopings left on the back. But so the, more, the reality is we're close to the end of this thing, right? So now here's the double-edged sword. Because the monkey's off their back, people have high expectations for Ripple. And they were expecting this thing. I mean, you've seen it. We've done the polls. People are still expecting this thing to go over $10, $12. You know, and that's a significant number much bigger than 10x so if you look at 10x today puts us around you know six seven dollars probably more real five six dollars more realistic but everybody's expecting over 10 so that's where the double edged short is if it doesn't deliver you see a lot of people getting frustrated are they going to bail or what what i think will happen is you'll see the people who aren't real hodlers like us who believe in the technology and the real world solving the real utility that comes later we'll stick around forever because we know what we own for the people who don't abs I think they're going to be frustrated and you're going to see some people jump and ship, but I, we'll have to wait and see what happens. And look at this article before I move on, Brad, I wanted to play this video and get you and Johnny's live reaction. Yesterday, a Frankfurt stock exchange member talked about how XRP has the potential to be a world reserve bridge currency. And this is where the stablecoin discussion really gets some validation. If CBDCs are launched globally, and we know Ripple is working with over 40 banks, XRP is going to be that aggregate currency that is that is the transfer of value that we commonly talk about fiat to fiat. We're going to see that CBDC to CBDC, right? Everyone thinks a central bank digital currency means that China is going to have one and America is going to have one. There is going to be a mechanism of communication. And when we look at Ripple's products, XRP is poised to take that position. This analyst expanded on that and talked about the impact it could have on the price, stating that he believes money comes into XRP in waves, according to the price chart. And he thinks the next wave of liquidity will take us between 5 to $10. And if that Ripple CBDC environment comes to fruition, he was talking about double, even triple digits. Now, we don't talk about triple digits often because we don't want to set our listeners up for failure. We don't want it to go to $10 and then them sitting there thinking it's going to go to 100 So if it does go to $5, be appreciative. But I wanted to get Brad's perspective when we talk about two things. First of all, the waves of liquidity. And second of all, the environment Ripple's creating. Which one do you think will have an impact on XRP this bull run? Will it just be the liquidity or do you think Ripple's products will start to impact the price? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I think the demand to move into this space and become, uh, if you're in finance and you're making payments and you're trying to settle things and clearing, right? I mean, I, I just made a post moments before we came in to get ready for the show this morning. And it was about um, a reminder that uh, the DTCC is on a three-month countdown to moving to T plus one settlement time. Who joined the International Swaps and Derivatives Association to help settle over $2 quadrillion worth of derivatives with the DTCC? Ripple, right? Now, I don't know uh, in the three-month time period of that countdown whether Ripple will be inside of that on day one, or whether that will be 2% of the T plus one settlement is going to be put through their payment rails, or none of it, or 100% of it. We don't know, right? But we do know is the connections are there from the Ripple market infrastructure and the liquidity to be brought onto the network. It requires real world asset tokenization in order to do so. And for me, that's why it's like, it's so important. Like 
I can't know what's going to really affect the bull run this year, right? You know, and and in the near term, because I'm a macro guy. Like I've always been here wanting to see the the real infrastructure live and in use. All the CBDCs being settled, all the stable coins being settled, like we said earlier here today. But let me let me say this because I'm, I'm not trying to be evasive, right? To your to your question, right? It's like I'm a fundamentals guy, so I can't really get too deep on like what I predict to come, you know, like because I just I'm not that guy, right? You know, and and I don't do it to to not do it. I just I don't do it because I literally am mentally geared as a long-term macro investor and I'm looking for these fundamental accomplishments and knowing that price will take care of itself through that. Right. But I want to say something because you brought up CBDCs and stable coins abs. And when you were laying this out and what I want to remind people of is something that I think is super powerful. Now I know I talk about the possibility of stable coin legislation from people on Capitol Hill. It could get done by as early as this April or it may be 2025, but I want to remind people of this. This is how quickly things can change on a dime. The ripple is a lag, or you, the United States of America is a laggard, right? In this space, we're behind. But here's the here's the funny part of this: ninety nine percent of all crypto transactions are happening with a digital dollar, either through Circle or USD Tether. Ninety nine percent of all digital asset transactions are being done in a digital dollar. Now. Why is that important? Because the moment they go, there's legislation for stable coins. We are the leader. We're the leader right now. The regulator and Congress hasn't said so because they haven't passed the legislation. But the moment they pass legislation and all of these things are underneath of a prudential framework being properly regulated, we're the leader. Because 99% of transactions are happening in U.S. dollar stable coins. So... That's how quickly that's going to happen. And the U.S. is in the lead. We're actually in the lead right now. We just have it passed legislation to show and reveal that dominance in this space. But it goes beyond crypto. Crypto is this much of the pie. The pie I'm interested in is the other 98%. It's the the tokenization of traditional markets. It's the tokenization of stocks and bonds, right? And the ability to move and settle that value across networks. That's, to me, that's the focus. I don't know what moves the market this time around, but as history has shown, we don't need any of what I just said to move the market. And here's here's the reason I asked the question, Brad. It's not because I, like, here's my opinion personally. I don't sure, think I want utility directly impacts prices this time around. I could be totally wrong, but I'm willing to put my opinion out there and be criticized for that. When we, look at, when we look at, you know, a 2024 to 2025 timeframe, that's so quick. It is so quick to see not only stable coins be regulated, but then have products like XLM and Algorand, and we talk about XRP every day, have tokenized assets running on their blockchain. I think that's more of a three to four year journey if it's done quickly and correctly. What does that tell me? Yeah, we may have to be patient, wait until 28, 29, but we are in the speculative phase of crypto assets. And Johnny breaks this down almost every single week. This is a 14 year process. And we are right at the right at the end of this. We are entering that 14 to 17 year time frame where we could shift from speculation into utility. Now, Johnny, I know that's not what you're saying. I'm I'm making that conclusion. I see you shaking your head. But the crypto market has existed since 2009, and it's currently 2014, meaning that the crypto sector not only was dismissed for over a decade, 
it was laughed at for almost 15 years. And this is the first year we're seeing companies like BlackRock not only advocating for this technology, but what did we just regurgitate this morning, Johnny? They're going right to their traditional largest investors and saying, put 28% of your portfolio in there. What are those investors selling? What are those investors getting right? You think it's all 28% new capital? Or do you think they're dumping other projects? And I don't know if this was before we went on air or during when we were went on air. Huge companies, huge names like you know Bill Gates, uh, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg are dumping billions in the stock market. Even the most, you know, this person has never failed to trade. Nancy Pelosi is crushing it right now. And she's selling things. She's buying those technology stocks. There's a lot going on. And I'm only making some jokes here. But Johnny, I feel like it'd be appropriate for to go back to you and then we'll kick it to Brad. What do you think about everything I just stated? So the way to think about it, it's very difficult to, to throw in. When you think of the, the speculation utility curve on average for a fast moving technology, it's 10 to 15 years. That's just facts. Now, when it started is the hard part. Because you could argue Bitcoin started 2009, Ethereum maybe 20, 2013, Ripple 2013. But when they really start building real, there it is right there. When they really, in that gap, right? That gap from speculating, that, that's the when, when the S curve starts. Is the bottom of that S curve a little bit right about there? Yeah, where you had, not there, a little bit more to the right, the bottom of the S curve where it starts, right about there. That's the beginning of when you start to get the massives. When you have utility working, it's out there in the world. And then, people can start using. And that's when you start to get the mass adoption and the S-curve goes up over time. We're, we're, we're somewhere in that flat part moving towards the beginning of the S-curve. We're not at the very, very beginning. So we don't have 15 years to wait. We're probably somewhere about you know, in the middle. So we're probably five to seven years away before. And some will be even quicker. Like Ethereum's already running. You're, you could argue Ethereum, you're at the bottom of the S-curve already. There's a, a shit ton of D-apps already running on Ethereum. You could you could make the argument they're there. Ripple's probably getting close to that point. We don't know because we don't know the real deals. We don't know what's happening behind the scene, behind all the NDAs and CDAs in place to be able to say how much adoption of that technology. All we do know is that they're in trial stage, which means you're somewhere on the flat part of the curve. You're in trial. The masses aren't using it. Big companies are trying to figure it out to get it ready to launch it for adoption. And that's when you're so, you know, you're, we're definitely to the right of it, um, but we're still not, you know, we still have some ways to go. And that's great news for all of us because we're going to get a speculative bump, one more speculative pump, and then we're going to start moving to real utility. And you see on the curve, you get two to two years to make money in the speculation phase and then in the in the mass adoption phase. So to me, I'm excited because we know we're moving in the right space in, a, in, in technology that's just getting started. I mean, we're so early. It's just it's it's 1994 all over again. Apps. You were you weren't even in diapers then, but we'll we'll say it's 97, so you can at least be in diapers. And that's how excited you got to be that we just have this whole world of a whole potential in front of us that we're here early. I'm excited about it. Really, I can't lie. Brad, I want to kick it to you as well, because I think a lot of people can take Johnny's statements and go one of two directions with it. Everyone wants utility to be here so that we can be begin this S-curve and all become multimillionaires, billionaires, trillionaires, whatever your portfolio value is, right? But here's the reality. If we're still in speculation, that means we're going to make more money than if we're at the beginning of this S-curve. Now, is the journey slightly longer? Yes, but we're debating the nuances here. At the end, we win. I forget what that's from, but there's a great quote where it says, in the end, we win. That's kind of how I feel about Ripple. Not only do they have the best technology, you stated it perfectly. They've created the infrastructure so that when countries are ready to use CBDCs, 
it's easiest to implement these products with Ripple. That's the conversation. That's like the mic drop moment right there because they're not going to say, you know what, let's go develop our own project. And those 50 countries that have their profitable economy, we're going to stay out of that. You know, we want to do it ourselves. That's not how the world works. We just don't have the resources. So Brad, what's your, you don't have to talk about like where we are, but what's your takeaway from everything me and Johnny just kind of broke down, I guess. Well, I, I, first of all, I don't think I could break it down any better than what you two guys just did, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, uh, what I would add to that is that, you know, just recently we saw Monica Long, the president of Ripple, come out and highlight the fact that we saw, what is it, Axel, Axel, some whatever, Axelar, I think it is, Axelar Network. Uh, helping to create more connections to multi-chains. And some of those multi-chains include MasterCard, JP Morgan, Microsoft, and Anando, and a whole bunch of others, right? So this, to me, this speaks to what we are talking about in that S-curve that you're showing, right? It's like, wherever you put it on the S-curve, is like you can see they're, they're lining up. I, you could even look at it as like uh, lining up cars before a race starts or putting the horses in the gates before they unlock the horses to run in the race, right? All of these announcements we're hearing are like watching another horse go in the gate, right? But in this, in this case, like uh, Axelar and the connections there, it's one horse but that horse is connected to a whole herd of horses, right? So the, the 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 what I see taking place is the perfect setup because as we get these these thing, these clarity moments, these watershed moments for clarity, and the financial systems no longer being told by the OCC or the SEC that they have to sit on the bench, it's over. This is over. It is a point of no return. It is a transformation of this space when we move from speculative price driving to actual use case price driving, right? And that is really an amazing moment we have yet to see. That's how early we still are. And I'm super excited about that. I am super excited about that. Johnny, I don't know if you have any additional comments, but Brad used the horses in the race analogy. So I saw you pumping your fist over there. We got 835 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And just a brief update here on what Bitcoin's doing. Bitcoin's quickly approaching that $62,000 mark. And as you can see, there's almost no trading volume. If we break above these ranges, they're not letting me zoom out, but we could quickly see a trip to the low 70s to you know early $80,000 mark before we see a substantial pullback. That's something I would keep an eye on for Bitcoin, especially as we head into the halving, Johnny. But we were just talking about the tokenization of real-world assets with this new partnership in particular. This is Alexa, and they've partnered with Ripple to enable smart contracts residing on over 55 blockchains facilitating cross-chain development of decentralized applications. Let's just skip the details here and get right into the tokenization talk, Brad. We often discuss the impact of utility. Well, tokenization could start this year, right? This isn't, this isn't rumors. This is nothing about that. David Schwartz stated last summer he believes we are 12 to 18 months away from tokenized assets on the XRPL. When that happens, in my opinion, the game changes forever. I just wanted to give you an open floor on what you anticipate from tokenized assets, specifically because of all the relationships that Ripple's created. Game changer. Game changer. It's it's transformational what we're talking about here, right? What we're what what you're what you're talking about, what David's talking about, is a transformational moment that has not happened yet on the ledger that we're aware of, right? Real world asset tokenization. Think of it. It is the moment we've been waiting for. And and, and at that point, you start asking yourself the way Brian Brooks has said in an example, 
then you start as a macro investor in this space, you have to start asking yourself. Now, once that moment happens, is the world going to go more towards tokenization or will they go back towards the direct way of doing things in a paper friction world? Just like early days of Google, will people send more emails to one another or will people go back to sending regular snail mail to one another, right? Through the post office. I think the answer is obvious, right? It's an email. That's what we're doing these days. I haven't right. sent a letter to anyone in years. You right? know, what's interesting is that we've never seen a technology regress unless we're talking about the moon landing. Please continue. Oh, ho, 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 which didn't happen. <laughs> I'm more subtle about it, but you got it, Brad. Yeah, it didn't happen. Let's all say what it is. That's the, that's the quiet part out loud. It didn't happen. Uh, yeah. But you know what? That's a conversation for another day. I don't want to derail it because I could go a half hour on it. But that's you know okay. what? <laughs> that's good stuff. Man. I to distract you. I didn't want to get you thrown no, off. No, it's good. It's totally great, man. I love it. But, you know, I say this and I mean every bit of it because it is transformational when you're talking about real world asset tokenization on the XRP ledger and in this space on other protocols as well, right? But here's something I want to say. When we're talking about transformation, let us not forget the ledger itself is transforming. There are new amendments that are coming on to the ledger like automated market makers. And when they are brought on and amended to the XRP ledger, the XRP ledger from that point on is never the same again. It cannot do today what automated market makers offer. So when that comes to the ledger, think of it for a moment. It will forever be able to serve the payments world through sourcing payments through liquidity pools that are controlled and governed and help to uh, regulate or run properly through automated market makers, which control the arbitrage and the slippage. Think of this for a moment. You're talking about banks and financial institutions being able to source payments and XRP for transactions without having to go to the centralized order books of exchanges ever again in life. The, I can't explain, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I talk about this a lot on my channel, but this is a huge transformation for the ledger and this space. So it's happening to the space. And specifically, there are really new amendments moving to the XRP ledger that are absolutely transformational and may change what you understand about XRP. And the holy grail of not ever having to sell your XRP may become a very real reality for you and generations of your family. And I don't say this to upsell anybody because I know a lot of people are coming to the conference. But if you don't do anything else, it isn't a cost to come to the conference. It's an investment you're going to make into yourself to hear David Schwartz say it right to your face. What's different about this ledger and what you and I and everyone else in that room is going to need to understand because it may change everything you know about the asset that you hold today in the best way possible. And I absolutely mean that. Completely agree with you, Brad. And Johnny. Speaking, of the, speaking of the conference, can I just give a shout out to the woman who makes it all happen, Danielle Kimes? Shout out to her. Because without her, I'm not sure how much of a conference there'd be, Brad. We know that every good man is a great woman. So I just want to get I want to be the first one to give a shout out to your woman. Well, Johnny, I gotta give you I gotta give you credit and I gotta give uh Mrs. Backup credit. Uh listen, you're absolutely right. The conference wouldn't be half of what it is when we do it. Because the truth of the matter is, is if it was up to me solely to do it, it would be like pretzels in a plastic bowl <laughs> and we'd all be meeting at a campground. Like, I mean, it's, that's, you know, 
I don't got game. My my wife's got game. She knows how to put this together. She's been absolutely crucial in this and she knows it. And I sing her praises all the time. But, the, you know, the truth is it does take uh, uh, it, it takes an army. It takes a village. And I would be dead in the water if it wasn't for my wife. Logistically, she's absolutely incredible. So I, I do appreciate it. Shout out to my baby. Shout out to Mrs. Kimes, a.k.a. Mrs. Digital Perspectives, guys. And we got 837 live listeners here. If you're enjoying this content, show us some love and smash that like button. I just wanted to point out XRP is beginning to move, and we've pointed out the 62-cent range, guys. So nothing to address yet. If XRP does break 62 cents during the show, it could be an exciting day for the day traders. But for those diamond hands people, they're in it for the long run, Brad. And Johnny, I did just want to get some quick comments before we move forward. We talked a lot about tokenization, a lot about the positive aspects. How about the escrow? Let's address some difficult questions here because nobody knows the answers, but we love these conversations. When we talk about Ripple's escrow in particular, David Schwartz has said that they had a harder time distributing the XRP within the ledger than they had anticipated, which has led to them having over $45 billion even today in 2024. Give me your take on that, and then we'll, we'll talk about it with Brad because I know you had some great discussions before. You know, I think that the tricky thing about the escrow is they're sitting on a bag. You know, their intention was to get it out there and, and let people use it. And it didn't work out the way they wanted to. And so they went and, and, and looked at it differently. And and now they've got it set on a structured time base where they launch a certain amount every month. And if it doesn't sell, it comes back. You know, at the end of the day, I, I don't. I don't, I don't get hung up on the escrow because I guess I look at it differently. I'm more like Brad, right? I'm a realistic investor, long-term trader in utility, long-term investor in, in, in real-world solve utilities, right? Now, none of us know which one's going to win. That's why we've got a bunch of horses back there in our stable because uh, some of them look real beautiful, you know, and they're going to they're gonna win this race, you know? And then there's a bunch of them that aren't going to make it, unfortunately. But I still love them all. But in terms of the escrow, you know, you have to look at it as if you believe that this technology is really going to do what it's supposed to do, that escrow at some point in time is going to get consumed up. Yes, it's going to, you know, there is, of course, when you add to the to the, to the the current float, if you will, or, or circulation, it's going to drive the price down. And I think that's what everybody's concern is. But the way they've done it is they've done it in a timely fashion where it's, you know, a certain amount per month only so it doesn't crash the price. So I kind of commend them for at least being having the wherewithal of saying, Hey, let's not do something that can destroy the price um, instantaneously. Cause that's what will happen if you dump a lot on there. And that, so I, I'm not really so sure why people get all hung up on it at the end of the day. I understand the risk there, but it's, it's something that at some point in time, when tokenization happens and they get a piece of that pie, you're going to need a significant, uh, what I always talk on this show, daily trading volume and to be able to support that daily, daily trading volume. It consists of two things, the circulating supply times the price. That's it. It's that simple. And so as the daily trading daily trading volume grows, Abs, you're going to need one of two things to happen. We either need the price to go up or we need more supply. The reality, what we really want is it to grow big enough where both the new supply coming in and the price can continue to rise because of the demand. And that's why utility is so important in this space because the utility – is going to drive the demand. The demand is going to drive the price. If they don't get the demand, then you know we're just going to be sitting around here for a while, and that escrow is just going to be continuing to just float back there, and everybody's going to question it. Brad, I guess I should have given like a more specific question, so I'm going to give a more specific. Yeah, question. you didn't really want so much of a question there. So. <laughs> yeah. I got a headache. I got an ice cream headache after that response, guys. Uh, I tried to actually... do the best I could with that poor question. <laughs> I got an ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the heck happened, but here's what I was trying to ask. 
When we talk about the escrow in particular, Ripple's original plan was to have that distribute a billion per month, figure out how much they could sell, release it on month 55. They obviously extended that deadline from, I believe it was May of 2023, all the way to 2027 now. That's when the extension is. What we're seeing is that Ripple still has a ton of XRP on their balance sheet. Is that strategic or is that through a lack of um, interest in their products? That's kind of the question I was getting at. Is it a concern to you that we're sitting here in 2024 and Ripple still holds $45 billion, Or do you think that's business as usual and things are going according to plan? Maybe we're just not privy to the plan. I, be- I believe like Miguel Viez said when he was the head of XRP Global Markets, they won't get rid of all of it. They won't release all of it into the world. See, I, this is how I see it. I see XRP as money. And if you remember during the case, like XRP or when the quarterly reports would come out from Ripple, they would tell you, we don't sell to programmatic exchanges, which is the secondary market. We only sell to on-demand liquidity partners. And by the way, wink, wink, we've been buying XRP back off the secondary market, right? That's what they were doing the entire time during the case, right? And to me, if you're in control of escrow as it's released, and they are very good stewards of the escrow, I believe, and they determine how much they need out for operating expanses or expansion and operations, right? And then the rest goes on the back end of the escrow contract, and then that's how that keeps going. Well, having that escrow is the greatest, the greatest secret weapon that they could have because no one else has that because everyone else has to mine it in order to get it. It was already pre-mined. And here's the other important thing. Remember, they keep XRP on their balance sheet at zero, zero dollars. So there is no conflating the price and benefiting Ripple and suppressing it to benefit Ripple or whatever. They're not gaining at all. Escrow and XRP on their balance sheet is zero. That's what it is. And when it comes out, it gets sold at cost to whoever's going to use it and put it to work. That's what happens, right? And we know from the case, there was 1,700 pre-allocated contracts that went on that we don't know diddly squat about, right? But we know that that's in the writing. That happened, right? So there's a lot there. I think the escrow is super important because I believe XRP to be money and not a commodity investment product. I believe it to be money. And if you look at the fundamental stuff, which I love to do, Craig Phillips, Michael Barr, Susan Freeman, Rosie Rios, right? The list goes on. They're all from the U.S. Treasury, and they all are on, were on the board or spent time at Ripple. That's a transition team at my house. That is the U.S. Treasury making sure everything gets done properly because Ripple is going to be that important, like the Federal Reserve 2.0 important, like New Swift important, right? Like, you know, can't even imagine how important. Literally, bringing the utility and liquidity onto the network from multiple chains as we are seeing it, right? Right now, we're seeing it happen. All those multi-chains tying in, knowing Ripple's on Fed now with 60 or other 90 other partners. Think of this for a moment. Think of the impact right here. This is remarkable what we're seeing. And when I see that and understand the escrow the way it is, it is the greatest weapon that anyone could ever have in this space because it allows them to be able to entice relationships, expand relationships, grow relationships, build out market infrastructure with the money of selling that stuff every month they need to do so, and no one can stop them. And I don't think anyone wants to stop them because they're tied in with the U.S. Treasury and the Federal Reserve and Fed now. We are the new infrastructure.
What do you think it's all going to run on? It could be plenty of chains, but there's one decentralized exchange for the world and it's on the XRP ledger and it runs without error. Mic drop moment there, Brad. I completely agree. And I think that's a great use case. When we talk about the relationships, that's what caught my attention with XRP, right? Obviously, the product's amazing, but there's tons of blockchains that can facilitate transactions at three to five seconds nowadays. When I first invested, that wasn't the case. Nowadays, there's a plethora of blockchains that have those capabilities. What I'm really interested in is the connection. So let me go down a small rabbit hole with you here. This is I'm going to play 20 seconds of this video. This is how this is Robbie Michnik, a former board member for Ripple, who is now the head of the digital asset space for BlackRock. Right. He is sitting at the head of digital assets for BlackRock right now. In this video, Anthony Scaramucci explains how Robbie Michnik, after he left Ripple, is responsible for orange pilling Larry Fink. If you don't think they talked about XRP, but they talked about Bitcoin, let's talk about after the video. Here we go. Robbie yeah. Michnik at BlackRock. He's a young kid. He came into BlackRock with the idea of creating a Bitcoin ETF. He orange pilled Larry. And I'm going to give Larry a lot of credit because Larry actually did the homework. Larry did the reversal. And I'm going to pause it there, Brad, for the sake of time. Larry did the reversal. He was anti-Bitcoin, anti-crypto. Now we got the narrative. Johnny, I'll start with you, actually. I see you're excited about this one. We got Larry talking about how it's a flight to quality now, right? That's the whole idea is that Bitcoin, it's a safety mechanism, you know, from nefarious activity with Elizabeth Warren to God's gift to humanity with Larry Fink. It's really interesting. But floor is yours, Johnny, before we shift into a serious talk. What's your reaction to this whole perspective? Well, you know, I just, well, first of all, I hope everybody watched and saw what happened because you just learned how the game is played when the big boys want to get in. All right. They first FUD the shit out of it. Everybody gets scared. Everybody gets out. They buy the sandbox for really, really cheap for pennies on the dollar. And then when they own the sandbox, and they decide it's the best thing since sliced bread, flight to safety and security, and then they drive everybody in it. Now you've learned in a nutshell how the game is played. I'm not surprised that maybe some young kid there at the company, Mitchell, whatever his name was, Robin, came in there and kind of put a seed in, in Think's ear and said, hey, you know, because one of the things you, you learn in life is you always listen to the young kids. You watch and see what the young kids are doing because the reality is, yes, exactly, you and the kids, well, I even I was even thinking younger than you're you're an old goat now. Dude, Robbie I'm talking, Mitchnick, I'm wait, talking Robbie like Mitchnick. the 12 year old. Just to you, be you, clear, just to be clear, Scaramucci's calling Robbie Mitchnick a kid and he's in his 40s. I'm yeah, 26. But, <laughs> Give but listen, me a break. But you no, you're you're missing my point. Larry Fink's like 90, <laughs> right? So so Mitchell's like a young kid to, to, to Larry, right? The this point, is good TV, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> The point being is you watch and you listen to the – Larry knows. He knows the younger generation understands what's going on, and he's going to listen to these guys. And, and you know, the young kid probably said, hey, listen, you better keep it out of this Bitcoin thing. There's something promising coming here, and they, and they see it, right? They saw it was coming, and 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 they got ahead of it when they, when they finally did, and they and they, then they built the story perfectly, and they went and did their thing. So at the end of the day, yeah, you know, kudos to Robbie. Kudos – I wouldn't – I, I think I'll be honest with you, Abs. I think Scarmucci is giving a little too much credit to Larry. He said, Oh, Larry did his homework. No, Larry saw an opportunity and said, All right, this is how we play the game. We'll take this, we'll buy it cheap, and then we'll pump the shit out of it. And, and that's exactly what's happening. And BlackRock's going to make a shit ton of money on the miners and on the Bitcoin itself going forward. Brad, I got a great video corresponding to this conversation, but I wanted to give you a chance to respond. So, this is Robbie Michnik's resume, and he went right from 
Uh, Ripple as, as on the board, and he had a bunch of other job positions. It wasn't like he was solely just a board member of Ripple. He was an advisor for them. So he had a say in the company. He understands the technology. And then he went on to be the head of digital assets for BlackRock. That is currently where he resides today. So I just wanted to get your take on that whole ordeal. Are these valid connections in your opinion? Oh my God. Yeah. And, uh, and you guys had great points too. And I, look, I, I just, I, again, I, I say it on the channel all the time. This looks like transition team to me, mm-hmm. right? Just yeah. like, you know, Ripple hired the guy that used to be the CFO from Amazon. We know there's a huge relationship with Amazon. We're just waiting for them to roll it out and tell us all, right? It's all good. You, they Amazon global payments. I mean, the, you know, Every time I see this stuff, whether it's multiple treasury officials, right, Fed officials, right. Here's the other thing. You made a good point too, Abs. You said, you said uh, there's plenty of other technology out here that can settle in two to three seconds. Hundred million percent spot on. But you're not getting to sit down with the Federal Reserve, buddy. And you're not getting a meeting with any other central bank in the world either. You know why? Because they don't talk to vacuum salesmen. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yep. I agree. Someone has to open that door for you. And Greg Kidd used to be at the Federal Reserve before he fought for a job at Ripple in the early days. That's how that door got open, right? So this to me is like it's it's so important to 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 really recognize where we are in this moment. All of this is coming together. Robbie Michnick, Susan Athey made the calendar, did the valuations at Ripple. Then he goes over to BlackRock here a few years later, up pops BlackRock with an ETF for Bitcoin. Are we crazy to think that there won't be thousands of these things? Mm. Of course there will. They're going to ETF the hell out of this entire market. (laughs) There's going to be thousands of ETFs because there's thousands of cryptos. That's how this is going to go. Yep. They're going to make a big market out of it because they can't. But, you know, Brad, you said something that's so important. I say it all the time on the show. It's right here. I even wrote it down. This is why it's yeah. not what you know. It's who you know. Right? It is really. Let's face it. The world runs on relationships. It's that's all right. about relationships. And when you look at what they're doing, if you want, you know, there's nobody in a better position relationship wise. Yeah. Than Ripple, as far as I'm concerned, when you look at all the pieces that and I like how you put. You know, it's so important when you want to do something as a company, you usually go hire an expert who knows how to do what you want to do. Right. And what have they done? They've hired in all these people from government positions to move them into where they want to play, which is in that government. It's, it's You can see the writing on the wall. Yeah. The problem is you have a lot of people who are here investing in Ripple today that just want to get rich quick. They don't really care about waiting. These things take time. You're not going to become the world's bridge currency and system overnight. Sorry, guys. It doesn't work that way. This is a very complex system talking about a complex place, 220 different countries in seven continents. It's going to take time. But the reality is I look at it and say, are they doing all the right things to put themselves in a position to win? And boy, you got to check that box off and say, yep, they got the relationships. And I, I want to say something to add to something you you and Ab both have touched on, which I think is absolutely crucial. And I and I try to touch it on my channel also. And do I think it can go three, four, five digits? Hundred percent, without question. But do I also have a shallow bag of sitting off to the side that is ready for five, ten dollars? Uh huh. 
Yeah. Somebody has an exit plan. Sounds like somebody has an exit plan. Exactly. Because the reality is, is that I want to look, I spent the first two bull runs I lived through, right. To, 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 to accumulate and not take profit. So I just, you know, kept shoveling in, shoveling in. I was happy for everybody. There was, I watched a lot of people take millions and millions of dollars of profits. I was totally happy for it. Still am. But you know what? It wasn't my time. I needed to keep compiling and just building my pile. And that's what I've done with my portfolio. This time around, I have a certain pile dedicated for five bucks. I have a certain pile I can take if I choose to at 10 bucks and $25 and 20 bucks. I can do those things because I've spent four and a half years building those positions to enjoy that this time. I don't have to sit back and watch the run happen and ask myself, but if I sell it all, I won't have any left, right? You know, it's there's been a plan in place. And listen, I know everybody's not life is not in that way that they can do those things. I get it. We're all built differently. And a lot of us got here differently. You know, some people have been in here two weeks now or three months and they're doing everything they can to get their position where they need it. And I understand that. But I just want to say. Be very broad thinking, you know, because when I think about investing, you know, and you guys brought this up. I'm so glad that you did because I have a plan for small profits and I have a plan for long-term profits. I have a dedicated amount of, of XRP and other assets that I will never sell for five to 10 years before I'll even consider selling that, right? Or if I can delegate it and put it to work for me and not have to sell it, which is the holy grail, right? So that's kind of, I just wanted to say that because I think you guys hit on that a couple of times. I thought it was such a, a wonderful point to really touch it again. I'll add to it, Brad, because we talk about exiting all the time. That does not mean we're selling a large portion of our portfolio. If you're, if you're a diamond hands type of player, take 2% off the table, right? The whole idea is that if you go 100% diamond hands, you're going to get trapped in the back end because markets don't go up forever. Even in these parabolic cycles, you have regressions, you have pullbacks. If you take no profit, you're putting yourself in a maximum risk type of situation Take a little bit of money off the table, even put it to the side and don't touch it. Save it to re-enter the market at lower prices. That's another great strategy we implement. And I just wanted to show our listeners this. If you haven't seen it, this is Merlin. 30 days absolutely free. Click on the link down below the video. But this is the power of Merlin, guys. You go in here, set your price targets. It's going to tell you what your exact profits and losses will be as well as your tax estimate. So go in, create an exit plan, and figure out how long it's going to take you to make 100000 this is pretty exciting news here, guys. And we always use the $100,000 for our mock portfolio. This is fake numbers here, uh, Brad. We created this portfolio just a few months ago. I think it was in December. It was 50 grand. This thing has already doubled. This thing has went from about $50,000 and we just broke $100,000 in totally fake money, guys. So don't worry. These are not real tokens, but I do think it's worthy because it shows us how much people's portfolios are growing in our community. Yeah. I'm getting tons of texts from friends saying, my portfolio value is above where it was in 2021 during the bull run. I think those conversations are going to come to the XRP community members as well. I realize I may be striking a nerve here, depending on what tokens you hold, but whether it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, or a plethora of other altcoins, tons of opportunity is in the market today. Most important thing is having a plan for when that profit rolls in. So I don't know if you want to add anything there, but let's get into some Elizabeth Warren content as well to end the show here, Brad. This is something and I titled this episode, we are at war because Elizabeth Warren is still attacking crypto, regardless of if it's an inevitably lost battle for her. Jim Cramer a couple of months ago was negative. That put me positive on Bitcoin. Well, Elizabeth Warren is now that new index tracker here because every time this senator who's from my home state of Massachusetts talks about cryptocurrencies, the markets pump in correspondence. So we'll play this short video and go to Brad. Here we go. 
I want to collaborate with the industry. What I don't <laughs> understand is why the industry seems to be saying that the only way that they can survive is if there's plenty of space for the drug traffickers and the human traffickers, oh, and the terrorists and the ransomware scammers. Pause it. Brad, we do a show every day. I take this personal. Have we ever, sorry, and I'm talking for the group here, Johnny as well. Have you guys ever advocated for narcotics? <laughs> Does this make any sense? Like, who is she trying to paint a picture of? We're talking about people in our live chat. We're talking about people like ourselves. We are everyday investors looking for opportunity. Mic drop, right? I, I'm going to give you the floor. Well, look, I, I mean, this is so easy. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Um, look, I, you know, look, you, you know, words like stupid or idiot, they're hurtful and they're harmful. But I mean it. She's an idiot. She's very stupid. You know what I mean? It's, I, yeah. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, she's positioned herself. That it's her words. She Listen, I'll tell you what else she's also said. She was going to start an anti-crypto army. That's what she said. That's what she said. I didn't say it. I'm just saying what she said. Now, all of a sudden, oh, I want to work with crypto. It's like, no, you don't. You're a liar. You know what I mean? She's behind the SAB 121 that the Chamber of Digital Commerce is working to get thrown out right or, or turned down right now, right? which would have gutted crypto, right? So, you know, the, the woman is a liar, right? And, and there's just no other way to say it. And I know it's a strong word and I don't really use that with people, right? Unless it's actually accurate. Well, with her, it's accurate and she's a liar. So, you know, it's time for her to go. John Deaton has proved his leadership capabilities well beyond anything we would need on Capitol Hill. We need to do what we can to get him in there. And I'm asking everybody, as I do for my channel, Every time you see Elizabeth Warren post, be professional. Don't get blocked, right? Have etiquette. But under everything she does, retweet it with hashtag vote Deaton. Put comment <laughs> section, hashtag vote Deaton. Let's yeah. turn all of her content into trending Deaton for that position. Because that's, that's what we need to do to her, even if we don't live in the state. Be a great way to keep him trending. Johnny, I just got live footage, actually, and I just want to break this down. This is an exclusive take. Elizabeth Warren is forming an anti-crypto army, and we got our first images here of some of the leading, you know, front-of-the-line members. So <laughs> I just wanted to let people know. Well, them soldiers, man. I'm getting a little nervous over there. Let me tell you. <laughs> just, I, I, it's I'm just worried. very funny because, like, even when I, we talk about, like, ourselves, Johnny, think about what we are. We came into this space, like, who is she trying to paint the picture of who owns crypto? Like, my parents own it. My grandparents own it at this point. Like, it's too, it's too out there. It's like telling to trying to say everyone who drinks diet coke is a criminal it's just not well, the case let, right? so, so, so here's the problem well first of all i think brad might be in trouble he might have used the word his wife didn't like so you'll have to do <laughs> but maybe she'll give a pass on that one but listen here's the deal here this what you just showed is exactly the problem when you have unchecked conversations she it's a one-way conversation she That's can right. say whatever she wants and there's no counter argument to say wait a minute what are you talking about who in their world is promoting crypto to be used for narcotics? When, first of all, we know the facts, if they come out, if someone was there and Deaton will bring them out, we're talking less than 1% of, of it being used. That's right, Gen X, baby. We're talking 1%, 1% used for nefarious activity versus the dollar, which, oh, by the way, she's part of Congress, right? The whole dollar runs everything, runs through. The whole dollar, that's massive massive of what we so the argument is complete rubbish it's 100 
horse bullshit. You just roll that so bitch up, throw that argument out the window. It's crap, Brad. Come on, you know it's garbage. That that argument holds no water. Yeah, exactly. It stinks like poo. When it smells like a fish and it flops like a fish, Brad, it's freaking fishy. It doesn't matter. But it, this is the problem with unchecked, one-sided conversations. I hate yes. them, and they need to come to an end. And Deaton, everybody do that. Hashtag her shit. Vote Deaton. That's a brilliant idea, Brad. You're right, Johnny. Before I move on, sorry, I was going to go into some J.P. Morgan stuff. We should talk about John Deaton running against Elizabeth Warren because that's in my home state, Brad. I am from Boston. I got family members there. I already sent them the information. She's got about six to 11 new voters. Shout out to John Deaton. But I just wanted to give you a chance to talk about it. Do you, first of all, I want to be realistic. Like if if John Deaton, first of all, he's running. A lot of people are saying uh, uh, Massachusetts is a blue state. Like that's where I'm from and it is predominantly a blue state. So it's going to be difficult to win as a Republican candidate. But what I would say is that this is a great opportunity to get a message out there. And what I think his message is going to be is there's a new age there's a new day coming and people like Elizabeth Warren, these lifetime politicians who seem to be ingrained within our political system. You know, if you've been in the political system for over 25 years, I think you're you're at some point like just compromised. And I don't know if that's the right word, but you've received enough money from big companies that your opinions are probably what's the word I should use? Compromise, I guess, I guess you would say, or they're being swayed in a certain direction. So I think there's a new age where guys like John Deaton are going to step up. They're going to step up to the plate. They're going to run for these elections. Some of them will get in and some of them won't. But what the important thing is here is a new message will be spoken about cryptocurrencies, about sanctuary cities, however you'd like to take it, really, Brad. So I just wanted to give you a, a chance to address that. How do you feel about John Deaton running and the opportunity he may have to share a, a public positive message for people in Boston? Well, uh, first of all, I think John Deaton can get the job done. And the reason I do, and you make a great point about Massachusetts in particular, right? Because it is a blue state and there have been, I think it was Scott Walker. I think if I remember correctly, it was Scott Walker. I think we used to be the governor there. It was a Republican just a handful of years ago, maybe eight, 10 years ago or so. Um, Scott, somebody, I think it was Walker, but nevertheless, he was a Republican there, but it's, it's gotta be a moderate, right? It can't be a MAGA style Republican, right? Because they won't go for that in Massachusetts. And that's not what John is. And John's made that clear. And we saw in the early days, Elizabeth Warren lying when he announced he was going to run, trying to tie him to the MAGA Trump camp yep. campaign. Right. Yep. Because she knows that that's a no go in Massachusetts. Right. So, you know, all of this is strategic posturing that she's doing to try to smear him and attach things that she knows that the constituents of Massachusetts won't go for. So. But truth is, is John Deaton is a moderate Republican because he's come from generational poverty. He is the American success story, right? So he is the perfect person to go to Massachusetts and go in there and represent all the people in the state and not just some of them the way Elizabeth Warren is doing today. And I think John Deaton will do it. And I think he's going to get it done. And just scrolling through her Twitter page, it gets me so agitated because I really care about some, you know, I care about Boston. I love that state. I got a lot of family there. Like, I want the best for this place. Yeah. And it's all, every single one of her policies just ticks me off, for lack of a better term. So for the sake of the show, we're going to move on, my friends. Nobody agrees with Elizabeth Warren. Throw hashtag John Deaton's in the chat. And Brad, we've already reached an hour on this program, so I just wanted to say thank you for joining us this morning. Is there any topics that, you know, we didn't address? Let's finish out. Let's finish it out with this. Sorry for jumping around so much. Let's yeah, finish yeah. out with this JP Morgan article because JP Morgan has changed their stance on cryptocurrencies. 
And they were one of the last contrarians that existed in the market. So JP Morgan changes its tune on crypto as Bitcoin is surging. JP Morgan changes tune on crypto amid the ongoing Bitcoin surge, specifically saying, we see higher cryptocurrency prices not only sustaining, but improving. So it's a new day, guys. If JP Morgan can turn a new leaf, I guarantee Elizabeth Warren can too. Johnny, we'll give Brad a chance to close it up. What's your reaction? Oh, there you go. There you have it. <laughs> There's another WWE heel turn. You've gone. Now you had. So first we had you know, we had fake that flipped. You had Yellen that flipped. And now this guy, he was completely anti-crypto, <laughs> completely off the trucks. But of course, don't forget, his company now is the processor for the BTC ETF. So of course he loves, of course he loves crypto. Now, I mean, guys, it's just, it's, it's just comical. And it's so easy to see when you understand how the game was played that you knew this, this, this heel turn was coming. It was only a matter of time because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, the, it's the game plan. First you FUD and then you steal the money. And that's it. And that's how it works. It's that simple. Now they're just going to pump, pump, pump. They're going to pump away. First you FUD, then you pump. There we go. FUD and pump, FUD and pump. And that's what they're going to do, man. And that's that's where we're at. We're in that game. Here's the good news. For everybody in that chat room right there, everybody, take your arm, turn it through, pat yourself on the back, because you were here early. You were here before these guys got here and started manipulating this thing, which means we all stand to make a significant gain from this in the long run, Abs. Brad, I got to end the show on this as well. Obviously, XRP has broken 60 cents and we're sitting right on that level, guys. But think about this. Bitcoin is sitting at $63,991. This thing is going to touch $65,000 today. And honestly, there's a common saying, Brad, if the, the quicker the pump, the longer the dump. All, of, all we're seeing is hopium and optimism with Bitcoin. And I'm not saying that's going to take place, but this is shocking, right? To see us before the halving about to break all-time high never happened before so maybe you can share some thoughts before we end the show here what i would say is one thank you guys for having me it's always a blast to come and spend time with you guys yeah, it really is i do bro. enjoy it and thank I you have to shout out uh cut corners node army crypto turtle edward bronzlowski and goshen crypto and everybody else i saw on the stream and if i missed you please forgive me i love all you guys and i really appreciate the kind comments um, but it's just a pleasure to be here with you guys. And what was your question again, real quick? I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, so we're looking at Bitcoin almost about to create a new all time high. Even on today, we're up 24% on the seven day, almost 12% in the 24 hour. Is this optimistic to you? Do you think it's one of those things where we're going to have the rug pulled at some point, or is this just blast off to 80 K in your perspective? I got to be honest for me. Um, I, I just think this is huge because we've never seen, you know, uh, uh, Bitcoin spot ETFs before. Right. So we're in unknown territory here. And yeah. this is where the demand is right now. And, you know, I think this is the reason we've seen a couple of TA people kind of miss the, miss the mark a little bit too, right? Because, you know, the chart didn't allow for understanding that new thing being introduced, right? And yeah. you, that that is a very real thing, you know, I think to... Um, and this is not taking a shot at anyone, right? I mean, we can't, none of us can know every single second of where the market's going, for goodness sakes, right? So this is just an observation, right? It's not a target on anybody or anything like that. I'm just saying that, you know, it's hard to understand where this market's going, where the chart can't show you what spot Bitcoin ETFs did last year because they didn't exist, right? So yep. I think this is, this, if anything, I liken what's happening here in this undiscovered kind of where are we going with this new product and demand and new people from new markets coming in. 
I liken that to now apply that to you know, utility and use case being the price driver for XRP and all that demand coming in that's never been represented on the chart before. Yeah, you know, there you go. I agree with you, Brad. I've been saying it for a while. Is we're in a whole new, it's a different game. Yeah. Well, I was talking about four-year bull cycles, and the reality is the big boys are here now. Yeah. They own the sandbox. It's no, no, the geeky, nerdy guys, we don't own it no more. It's their sandbox. They're going to play the game their way. And so, Abs, the reality is, who the hell knows what's going to happen? I was hoping we were going to pull back to 30. And shit, instead, we went the opposite way. We went, this so much went up all the way up. We're probably going to test all-time highs later in the, probably about 12 minutes. Uh, no, don't, don't quote <laughs> me on that. But point is, we're going to probably be testing that thing soon. And the reality is, right. you know, I, I think the best thing anybody could do, because everybody's going to be like, well, what the hell is going on? What do you do? The reality is, just sit back, take a little profits. If you're making some profits, like maybe take five, 10%, put some profits on the side, take your initial investment out, and then just sit back and enjoy the ride because we are going in uncharted territories. We don't know what this thing is going to look like. Like even BC Backers is, I'm not making a prediction of where he don't even know where, none of us know where it's going. Let's just enjoy the ride because here's the thing. The whole world now understands or has access apps to this asset class specifically bitcoin etf that that's a ton of money that could be unleashed and in coming into this space we're gonna have to see how high it can go yeah agree with you johnny and i know we're gonna close it out right here but brad i just wanted to have one last discussion if that's if you have the time because something that i'm looking at is bc backer has been you know he's one of these guys who was calling for a pullback on on bitcoin but he played out a couple of case scenarios and he's extremely bullish on altcoins he put out these three tweets yesterday talking about xrp in particular it's awakening xrp it's time to show them what 10 percent is for the boomers johnny crypto reference there xrp if you aren't paying attention you will be and he said i rotated some of my eth to xrp and used some bitcoin money to buy more xrp this is bc backer very reliable when it comes to the price charts. Now, everybody focuses on the negatives because that's easy. Oh, Bitcoin's going to fall from 60K back to 10 and we can all buy it. I think that's very, very unlikely. But here's what I do think we should close it out on. The relationships. There Whether it's a Bitcoin spot ETF, an Ethereum spot ETF, or an XRP spot ETF, I think Bitcoin's paving the way for what it will mean for these projects when it's inevitably launched. Here's 14 seconds of Larry Fink, and we'll kick it straight to Brad. This, will you do another ETF? How about an XRP ETF? I know you got Ether out there. I, we, How about XRP? Can we, you answer that? I can't. We, How about XRP? Can we, you answer that? I can't. <laughs> so I love that laugh from Charlie at the end. But you know what's funny, Brad, is that, and Brad Garlinghouse made a reference earlier too. He said, I know BlackRock has stated some things publicly, but we're not going to address it. Well, if there was nothing there, there's nothing there. There's nothing to address, right? So obviously there's been some sort of talk and speculation in the background. Maybe to close the show out for today, you can give us, what are some of your conclusions when you watch videos like these? You saw the video from Brad last week. Do you believe there's validity to the BlackRock and Ripple narrative? One million percent. And not only do I believe it for XRP, certainly there's going to be ETFs for XRP, but uh, there will also be thousands, and I mean thousands of ETFs for crypto. There's no question about it. That's exactly where I, I see this going. And it, it's going there in short order. I think we're going to see it happen in scale very quickly because <laughs> look at what's happened to the market. They've tested it. They love it. They want more of it, and they're going to have it. Because as Johnny said, this is their space now. Hey, I have a hard out, so I know I've got to go. You guys are super amazing. I hope everybody gets their tickets to XRP Las Vegas. I know VIP tickets have sold out. 
but general admission is still available and I want to see everybody come. And I really do mean it. David Schwartz is going to be on stage for a fireside chat and he's going to be talking about all new features of the XRP ledger and the things that he's excited about. And this is our chance to understand the new features and how it is transforming the XRP ledger and the integrity of the XRP token. And this is going to be one of the most important conferences you've ever been a part of. I'm telling you right now. So I hope everybody gets their ticket and come. Hey, and Brett, I can you tell people where they can get them? Where can they get those tickets? XRPLasVegas.com, baby. And we'll have Merlin's going to be there. And so, so many other people are going to be there. And I'll tell you something. We've been very selective with the companies that we've been bringing here so we can keep it super immersive so you can really engage with everybody who will be there. So make sure that you, that's why I tell you, we're designing these conferences. It's not just like we're doing it and everybody comes and then we leave. There is a point, a theme, and a focus to how we lay these things out. And it is to give you, the person who's coming, the opportunity to engage up close and personal with as many companies and people because they're all walking around. They're all walking around. So you, sometimes it's on stage. Sometimes you get to directly meet them. But the other special thing is, and I want to say this really quickly before I go, Fruition Productions that is putting together the incredible documentary Unleashed, XRP Unleashed, I want to remind them, if you would like to be in that documentary, you will have the chance to be in that documentary at XRP Las Vegas. They will have a booth. They will have a confessional where you can go and tell your story, how you got into XRP. And you never know, you may end up inside XRP Unleashed. Shout out to them. Fruition, Christopher, everybody on that team is absolutely crushing. I couldn't be more excited for it. Brad, there's a popular saying in business, your network is your net worth. And one of the things that we came out of XRP Las Vegas from last year thinking is it was so great how approachable everyone was. So obviously you're planning this year, if it's anything like last year and the ability that we had to have conversations, not only with other members of the community, but Ripple members, Expector members, developers, private companies, like there's just so much opportunity there. I'm definitely going to be there. Johnny's definitely going to be there. The Merlin team will be at that event. Coach JV, Jeremy, everybody else who's involved. So I'm really looking forward to XRP Las Vegas round two. And Johnny, I wanted to close it out. And I know Brad had a hard stop. Last thing we got to talk about, the user poll for today. Which event happens first? We got 641 votes. 51% think XRP to $2. 48% believe Bitcoin Ooh. to 100 grand. That is a split vote, guys. Wow. I don't know. Very interesting. Well, they're never that close, Brad. So give me your thoughts quickly, Johnny, and then we'll got to let Brad go. Well, that Brad, Brad's got to go. Let him Yeah, Brad, thank you so I got to go. Love you guys. You're amazing. And we'll see you soon. We appreciate you. We look forward to it, Brad. Thank you so Have much, guys. Day. Love bye. you, Brad. Bye, bye, bye. Interesting. That's very interesting, Abs. We actually, considering how much, you know, um, down the sentiment was on XRP, all of a sudden, Boy, we're seeing uh, the sentiment come back and some excitement around the XRP, which is awesome. I guess we'll have to wait and see what's coming first. But I'll tell you what, Bitcoin is certainly making making a run for it. So we're going to see. That whole beach is rounded. We're going to have to see. <laughs> Can we get over to that 100K? Oh, boy. Only time is going to tell. We got 680 live listeners here, guys. Thank you for joining us today. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Give a special thank you to Brad as well. We're going to see you guys very soon. And look at XRP breaking out over 60 cents. Hopefully, we are above 62 cents tomorrow. That would be very exciting. We love you guys. We'll see you in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining. Let's go. Woo.